Andrew Anders Knight is a record label honcho, a husband, an artist, a fan of DIY culture, and perhaps most importantly, a music lover. But today he's my guest on Desert Isolation Discs, speaking to us down the line from Barcelona. Anders, hello. Hello. How you doing, Alex? I'm very well, thank you. And you? Yeah, very well indeed. Very well indeed, thanks. Good stuff. Well, first of all, um, big question. You're Andrew Knight, but you're known as Anders. How did that nickname come about? Um, it's kind of lost in the mist of time, actually. Um, it's just a, a nickname that stuck. I think we, a Swedish friend mistook my name as being Anders and then took to calling it <laughs> me and then it sort of picked up speed. And then for a while I had a, a white trash trucker, uh, alter ego called Landers as a gag for a, and yeah, and people just started calling me Anders, and I I quite liked it because when I was a kid, I never really liked being called Andy very much. And <laughs> the alternative nickname, which has run in my family for generations, is Nighty, which is very very easy to take the Mickey out of. That's given us a good flavour of uh, what you're about, Anders. I think uh, right from the start. And so, how did you approach uh, selecting your Desert Isolation Dish, you've got to pick eight songs uh, to take with you uh, to be stranded in a, in a desert with. So uh, it must have been tough for a, for a music lover such as yourself. It was incredibly hard, actually. Um, literally minutes before we started chatting, I was still deciding on one or two or which song to pick by which artist. And when you look at a list like that, you just think, well... You know, I've missed I've missed out like the Flaming Lips, who are like one of my all-time favourite bands. Uh, you know, new discoveries mm. like Dan Deacon, who I've recently fallen in love with. Um, you know, like Björk, who's one of the greatest artists of my you know my lifetime, isn't on that list. So, mm. but you kind of just got to like when you make a mix for someone. I I often have to start with a bit of a theme, and so I decided to just pick songs that had resonance in my life looking back and um was still meaningful to me now um you know songs that i can still listen mm. to now and absolutely love um pretty much as much as uh, the first time i ever heard them so yeah i think all of the songs on this list yeah i want to punch the air or cry with joy when i hear them still and you know some of them i've listened to for over three decades so yeah pretty good what's your first song is it a punch the air or a cry with joy uh it is it's actually a kind of um tickle me Elmo kind of tune um my probably my all-time favorite band is the beach boys and um mm. i absolutely look basically i started with the beach boys because one of my earliest childhood memory musical memories is jumping up and down on a bed with my brother and singing surfing usa and um we had uh the Beach Boys' 20 Golden Greats record with the surfer on the front in our living room. And we just, I just listened to it so much. And all those songs about girls and cars and surfing, uh, just they were just amazing, uh, incredible songs. But as I got older and fell in love with Pet Sounds and the way Brian Wilson composes and arranges and the harmonies and the depth of those songs, those earlier pop tunes just pale into insignificance really they're still amazing catchy pop songs but um and then 
trying to pick one of those, trying to pick something from Pet Sounds is near impossible because it's just such an incredible album. And so in the end, I just wrestled and wrestled and I picked a song called I'd Love Just Wants to See You from uh, Wild Honey. I had basically a CD with Wild Honey and Smiley Smile on it, which are two kind of Mm. slightly underrated albums that, you know, coming off what was supposed to be Smile, like Brian Wilson's greatest ever work, um, Mm. that was never released, you know, got this mythical uh, kind of just, yeah, mythical status now. And so Mm. what, what actually came out, people are like, well, it's not really, you know, the kind of psychedelic, symphonic sound we expected. It's just some guys goofing around, but I actually love those goofball, raw R&B songs <laughs> as much as I love, you know, the huge, huge, <laughs> beautiful, heartbreaking songs. So, and mm. basically, my wife says this song always makes me think of me, and uh, and it's one of the few songs that has like a twist and a punchline to surprise you at the end that still gets me to this day. It's not too late I'd love just once to see you I'd love just once to see you I'd love just once to see you In the new That was the Beach Boys there, and is your first song for uh, Desert Isolation Discs. Um, so you said that reminded me of that reminded you of dancing around your living room. Can you tell us a bit about your childhood? Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Mansfield, a small town near Nottingham. Uh, uh, just st- sort of standard mining town, I guess. My granddad worked down the pit, and. Um, uh, yeah, just a sort of working class background. Uh, my dad's a painter and decorator, and uh, my mum's um, worked in just general sort of office stuff in the insurance business and travel mm. and stuff like that. Um, Did you pick up those skills, the painting and the decorating, your dab hand yourself? No, I'm, I'm incredibly impractical, actually. I'm terrible with virtually everything with my hands, and... Uh, I'm lousy with a paintbrush and uh, yeah my dad really wasn't very keen for either me or my brother to follow him in the family chain so (laughs) (laughs) and what were you like growing up as a teenager and uh, can you remember your sort of first discoveries music wise as a teenager or Uh, there's there's various touch points I can remember um, my first abortive attempts at uh, making music with my brother when the big, mm. the breakdancing craze was massive when we were kids and uh, we <laughs> formed a duo very briefly called The Changes and uh, we had a song which was something along the lines of I remember the, the big hook was the breakdancers are on the street the breakdancers are on the street the breakdancers are on the street today <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah it really well I look back on it Reasonably fondly, it could have been a big hit if we'd caught the wave at the right time. But again, coming from a small town like Mansfield, it was never going to happen. The odds were against you. Yeah, me and our girls were never going to hit the top forty with that one. So, what's the second song that you got for us today that you uh, you enjoyed? 
I followed my brother into all of his um, music takes pretty much. I didn't get really get into heavy metal that much at the time, but um, mm. my favorite, my, you know, the thing that really blew my mind was when my brother started lending me his hip hop records, and um, I remember listening to a lot of Ice T records and a lot of Ice Cube and NWA mm. records, and a lot of amazing, amazing early hip hop, and. But I remember the day I borrowed Three Feet High and Rising from him and uh, De La Soul just... I just became aware that I there was a, a music that I could relate to. Like, hip-hop wasn't... You know, I, I had no reference point whatsoever for guns and girls and gats and, you know, mm. gang culture. But De La Soul was saying something really, really fascinating. And they, I really became aware of, like, sampling and... You know, it's an amazing kaleidoscopic production, that album. It's incredible. It's one of the only hip-hop albums which is pretty much flawless from start to finish and has good skits on it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, uh, my next choice is I Know by De La Soul. Um, absolutely still classic. But not because of all my earthly treasures or regardless to the fact that I'm past the loose, but because... Stands to introduce myself as the chosen one to speak. Let me lay my hand across yours and aim a kiss upon your cheek. The name's Plug Two, Plug from the soul I bring you. The daisy. That was Della Soul there, and as your second choice, uh, enjoyable one. And you mentioned being sort of in and around music and promoting nights. How did you first get into uh, events promotion and uh, and become a, a record label boss as you are with your excellent record label, Hello Thor? I started DJing when I was at uh, college, uh, studying in Leicester, and uh, I and then I moved to Nottingham and met um, Angie and James, who uh, two of my best, absolute best friends, um, and who went on to form Fists, uh, who were the first band we ever signed, and and basically we just used to sit around a lot, uh, drinking and having fun, and sitting in and listening to music, and we were just we were just kind of frustrated by feeling like there wasn't the the kind of nights out there that we wanted to go to. We were like, why are we always indoors, you know, talking and having a great time together? But when we should be like on a dance floor or, you know, watching a band. So we just decided to get on with it and do it and, you know, put our money where our mouth was and started, um, and just booked uh, the Junction 7, you know, the room upstairs at Junction 7 in Nottingham and, and booked a couple of acts to play, and Fist played. They were called Fist of the Champions at the time, and <laughs> and uh, and and much like with the record label, you just ask a bunch of people how you do it, and ask a couple of people for permission to do it. You know, hire a room or um, whatever it might be. And and it turns out it's not that hard as long as you do the work and promote it, and 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 I think a really nice and establish good working relationships with people, you know, most of the people we've always worked with have been our friends, whether it's the label or the putting on gigs as Super Night or what have you. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just always been tons and tons of fun. And, and so from 
putting on you know dozens of gigs with Supernight with Andrew and James. Um, they were making more and more music themselves, and um, and that was all getting really exciting. And then uh, I, I became friends with Tom Wally through his podcast Notting, Not, Notting Nottingham, uh, which is still I, do, I still love. I occasionally listen to it and absolutely love it to this day. And um, and so he, inv- he invited us on to talk about Supernight, and then I became friends with Tom. One day we went for a pint together, and it was at Broadway Cinema where I later worked, and uh, mm. we were talking about New Year's resolutions, and he asked me if I had any. I said I didn't. He said he wanted to make a, a record in that year. I said that sounds like a brilliant idea, and I would absolutely help him do it in any way that I could. So th- that was it. We shook on it there and then mm. over a pint, and then we were at a Fist gig, and Tom turned around to me and said, this is the band we're going to release the 7-inch by. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it was like a dream come true. These guys are my best friends. They're in one of my favourite bands. And, uh, you know, like I say, we just asked a few people how on earth you make a seven-inch record, got in touch with mm. some pressing plants and costed it up and put our savings into it and away we went with Nick Nick Lawford, the third uh, wheel. Um, <laughs> I was going to say squeaky wheel, but that sounds like... <laughs> uh, an insult to Nick. He's not not a squeaky wheel at all. Um, and uh, yeah, away we went. Made some records, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful thing. Absolutely, and then and I think um, agreed over a pint with Tom Wallin used to be uh, scrutinised closely. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, and what's the next piece of music you got for us today? Um, well, I'm sort of working wor- working back. Uh, to um, that sort of revolutionary time where I discovered music through, via uh, Roddy Doyle's story of the equipment, and my parents gave me uh, Motown Chartbusters Volume 3. And I, I tried to pick a track from Motown Chartbusters Volume 3, and it's just impossible. And basically, since that moment, I've discovered so much soul music, and I love soul music so much. And I went on to discover Northern Soul and incredibly rare and obscure and wonderful little gems and then I went mm. backwards and discovered like early raw R&B and just these amazing tunes from the 50s and 60s and then funk and amazingly just sexed up you know bass driven 70s tunes and trying to pick one song from all of that was just near impossible so I basically decided that I should go for a more recent discovery which is Didn't I by Durando and it just encapsulates so much of what I love about soul music. It's so tender and sweet, but it's slightly it's got a slightly rough and ready edge. Um, it's really simple, really catchy, and it just makes you stop in your tracks and um, just feel glad to be alive. So Durando didn't I? Now, and let me kiss your love a little 
And as uh, in amongst uh, becoming a record label empresario and giving up your dreams um, of playing uh, professional football, uh, you uh, you got married. Uh, how did you uh, meet the love of your life? When I moved to Nottingham and and, and met um, Angie and James and moved in with those guys, just before that, I moved to Nottingham with my girlfriend and we pretty much instantly split up. And um, <laughs> And one day I was just hanging out in my house in forest fields just wondering what i was going to do how i was going to find a new house and how i was going to kind of um get out of this sort of slightly sticky relationship with you know being as friend as as good friends as we could or have you and then there was a knock at the door and my girlfriend my ex-girlfriend uh her best friend had come down to visit her with her little sister <clears throat> who happened who's basically now my wife. So, um, Becky, my, yeah. So we just met, uh, went out for the day to Woolerton Park, chatted about music and bonded over a love of Bjork and the Beta band and various things. And, um, and yeah, just slowly over a summer, just email and not, not just sort of chatted on the phone and, um, texted and occasionally saw each other and just just became friends and um and yeah as i say it's not the most romantic because technically I, I guess i was i was on the rebound but and you know people can advise you against that as much as they like but i basically met the the greatest person that i've ever met in my entire life and who makes me incredibly happy so um yeah meet someone on the rebound <laughs> it's a very good idea um, <laughs> Uh, tell us about Bex. She's, she's a creative type like yourself, isn't she? Yeah, Bex. Um, she runs a, a, an online homewares boutique called Pretty Dandy. Um, she's really interested in uh, homewares and interiors and just lovely things in to make a house a home. And uh, so our houses have always been full of wonderful things collected from vintage shops and antiques fairs and all the rest of it. And, and so discussing what she wanted to do with her life we um she always wanted to set up a business and so i just encouraged her to to follow that passion really um mm -hmm. and and she we worked together on freelance marketing projects helping uh, artists and creatives and musicians to promote their their work um so that we worked together on projects as ship shape marketing and mm -hmm. um and yeah, she's just she's in she's one of the most creative people that I've ever met, and just in really wonderful small little ways, you know, she just she's always got a new idea about something. She's always thinking about something. She's always unlike me. She's very practical and loves doing <laughs> things, whether it's cooking or craft projects or what have you. She's incredibly practical. So, um, so yeah, my next choice actually relates to Bex because when I was in that house in Forest Fields, um, yeah. all lovelorn and and uh, on the rebound, Becky made me a tape, the first mixtape she ever made me, um, which uh, I've still got and which I treasure to this day, and it's got some incredible songs on it. And the first track on it is actually a live version of Fever by Peggy Lee. And yeah. uh, I remember hearing this really just like raw version of this smooth jazz song and um and i was lying on my bed at the time and i kind of felt like i levitated i was just so 
swept away by the music and um, the, that excitement that you get when someone makes you a tape where you're just like, what's coming next? Who is this person? What? This is awesome. I love this. And, and you're kind of impatient to get onto the next track, but you're loving the one that you're listening to. And that's kind of the, was the story of how we fell in love as well. You know, it paralleled that. I was just like, who, who is this person? She's awesome. I need, I need to spend more time with her. And, you know, we had a slightly long-distance relationship for a, a little while over that summer while she was up in Yorkshire, and mm. we could only get together at weekends or every other week. And, and yeah, it was just... This, this tune is still incredible. I played it on our wedding day, and... Um, yeah, it just takes me back to, to that and um, it would make me very happy being all alone and thinking what a wonderful person I've done in my life. So, yeah, Fever by Peggy Lee. But it's got to be the live version. Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me Fever when you hold me tight Fever in the morning Fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime Moon lights up the night I light up when you call my name You know I'm gonna treat you right You give me fever When you kiss me that was uh, Peggy Lee and uh, you were talking about uh, Becky there and uh, you were sort of uh, seen for quite some time as the sort of uh, almost like the crafty king and queen of the uh, Nottingham <laughs> DIY scene perhaps only by me but uh, uh, for what it's worth but uh, how difficult a decision was it to move from uh, Nottingham and what you'd sort of built there with the uh, craft fairs and gig nights and, and move to Barcelona um it was incredible hard in one sense because um, we we just had so many amazing friends and so many amazing um, sort of things going on. There was always something creative. There was always a, a band that you knew that you, you wanted to go and see. There was always the spark of an idea in, in Nottingham and being involved with in a, in a smaller city with the DIY culture, which... Um, you know, working at Broadway Cinema as I was at, at the time, which was the kind of job I'd always wanted and just <clears> dreamed of having and loved. Um, but basically, we'd been in Nottingham for over a decade um, and we were kind of at a stage in our lives where we needed a bit of a change and we're, we're probably going to settle down and, you know, get a nice house in suburbia and have some children and some chickens in the garden or whatever you know uh whatever happens next and we just wanted to um basically take a bit of a leap and get away from it all and do we'd always wanted to live abroad and barcelona it has always been to us an amazing creative vibrant city so um and and it wasn't that scary, to be honest, because <laughs> we couldn't see ourselves moving <laughs> I mean, to I, Asia. I do realise the lunacy in asking why on earth you'd move from the East Midlands to Barcelona, <laughs> but uh, still, yeah. in, the, in yeah. context, I think it makes sense. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and what's your uh, next choice you've got for okay. Um Well, uh, my next choice takes does take me back to, to Nottingham, and, um, and is that the 
you know, I, I genuinely love living here in Barcelona. And I think it's an incredible place, but um, I, I do regularly miss those people that made, made my life so special in Nottingham. And so um, my next choice is All My Friends by LCD Sound System, which I think perfectly encapsulates um, just every single night that you've ever spent with the the best people in your in your life. So sitting around, listening to records, getting drunk, having parties, throwing parties, and just it just instantly makes me think of people like Angie and James who... And it normally makes me cry, and um, just but again with joy, uh, the uh, uh, having wonderful people like that in your life, and um, being able to look back on brilliant memories. And there is a sort of tinge of sadness. I do think the sentiment of the song is amazing in terms of looking back at a time when you had the luxury and you didn't really know yeah. that you had it of hanging out with people whenever you wanted, and and so. Um, yeah, there is that kind of melancholy there about, um, but but also just the joy of looking back on so many amazing times and and still being in contact with those people and working with those people on creative projects. So um, yeah, and LCD Sound System are one of my very favourite bands. And the documentary I saw just before I left Broadway, and um, yeah, it was again punching the air in, in my cinema seat to shut up and play the hits. So. Right, so we know who not to uh, sit behind in the cinema. Then. Let's <laughs> listen to uh, <laughs> to LCD sound system. <laughs> LCD sound system and as you were telling us there obviously you moved up to, to Barcelona and um, just before you went you got involved uh, you were telling me in a uh, a film about a uh, coffin maker in Ghana how did that come about? Yeah um, I um, Broad, uh, Broadway ha- rents office space um, sort of peppercorn rent to creatives and filmmakers and so when I was working there, I met a lot of people like the brilliant Jeannie Finley, who's made um, Sound It Out and um, The Great Hip Hop Hoax, which are absolutely brilliant films that I'd urge anyone to see. And I also met uh, Ben Wigley and Anna Griffin, who are a director and producer, and they they just needed someone to help them do some marketing and help them crowdfund and raise money for their, their upcoming film, Pajo and the Lion. And, and they thought... The, in their words, they thought, um, "Who's good at who, who's good at this type of thing?" Well, Anders was really good at marketing when he was here. Maybe we should have a word with him. And so, yeah, basically, I've never really done that kind of thing before in terms of raising money through Kickstarter. But it was an amazing experience. It was really exciting, and um, and yeah, all of the skills that me and Bex have, we could just plow into it and. And just see day by day and, and try and build up. Again, it's that kind of DIY independent thing of of just make getting in touch with all, all every last contact that you know and just saying, look, there's this amazing thing being made and we really need your help 
just to be a small part of it and and so all those kind of small contributions from people just add up into an incredible thing where you know twenty two thousand pounds later they're now going to flee fly back to ghana and meet this godfather of the fantasy coffin trade and uh and find out if his business has survived and um what crazy coffins he's made now and and yeah just finish finish their film and, and then bring it back to the uk and the world and hopefully get it in, f- in front of loads of people in in cinemas so yeah really ex- that- really exciting Sounds like quite a project. Um, and uh, how about you? What's your next piece of music that you've got for us? Okay. Um, my next piece of music um, is uh, a Nirvana track. Um, talking about film and documentary, um, I watched uh, Sound City, the Dave Grohl documentary about the iconic studio last night. And um, I was actually going to pick the Breeders tune because I love the Breeders and they, um, their voices just do something special and magical to me, much like the Brian Wilson and the harmonies he creates. But Nirvana, basically, as cheesy as all those cliches in documentaries sound, Nirvana genuinely changed my life. The first gig I ever saw was Guns N' Roses at Milton Keynes Bowl. And uh, basically, about a week after that, I realised that you just couldn't love Nirvana and still love Guns N' Roses. Like, Nirvana changed everything. You know, they were all about um, just amazing alternative independent music. Um, Obviously, they signed to a major label and took that music, you know, across the world. But And so still now, when I listen to Nirvana, those riffs and, uh, you know, those lyrics just just really, really get me. And um, this tune, Oh The Guilt, was on a limited 7-inch that came out, and I tracked down in Mansfield in, like, uh, John Menzies, I think. Uh, um, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what a newsagent was doing um, selling bloody 7-inches, <laughs> but it had it, and it had this incredible... The Jesus Lizard on one side and Nirvana on the other. There was, like, a 1,000 copies in the UK or something, and it was in John Menzies in Mansfield. And so I, I've still... Again, I've still got that record. I still play it regularly, and it still makes me feel as excited. It's still as visceral and uh, just brilliant uh, as, as it ever was. So, yeah, absolutely love it. <laughs> Coming, uh, we're nearing the end of your choices, Anders. Uh, what, yeah. What's the uh, next uh, song that you're going to uh, take away to the um, to the desert? Okay, the next tune is by Harry Nielsen, who I I generally think Harry Nielsen is the most underrated songwriter and performer that I know of. I think he should be celebrated as an absolute legend. Because I don't know of anybody else that can do 
you know, tender ballads, raw R&B, uh, wigged out, like, seven-minute garage-style psych rock, um, novelty songs that aren't yeah. annoying as hell. He's basically done pretty much every, every genre um, that someone of his time and ilk could do and done it astonishingly well. He's got, like, the greatest vocal range... I just think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal artist. And, you know, the Beatles were asked back in the day who their favourite band was, and they said Harry Nielsen. Now, why the hell doesn't anyone know who Harry Nielsen is? And, um, you know, this, the, mm. the record that this tune is off, Nielsen Smilson, has basically, if a house, for me, a house isn't a home until it has a copy of Nielsen Smilson in. Because when I lived with uh, Anjan James and a couple of other friends in the early days in Nottingham. We had this album and we had a record player that we just loved to death. And um, this record was spinning just constantly. And um, it always takes me back to that, one of the happiest times in my life. And at the end of pretty much every DJ set, I play Jump Into The Fire by Nielsen because it's just the greatest cathartic just wig out ever and um and and by uh, coincidence just last week we were com- ca- contacted at hello thor by gray hairs james from fist new band and they've done two harry nielsen covers and we're going to put out a limited seven inch and uh, i really can't wait <laughs> so <laughs> great stuff uh, that sounds like some some good news to me uh, let's give it a spin Anders, uh, we're talking about you going off to a uh, desert. How do you think you'll fend for yourself in the desert? And uh, will you be okay with your with just your own company? Um, I, as I said, I'm quite an impractical man, so uh, I think I'll struggle in that sense a little bit. And I'm also um, a guy who I really crave my own company. Um, and then as soon as I get it, I just can't handle being on my own. I just go weird if I'm on my own for more than an hour or two. Um, uh, so basically I just end up being in a room and re-alphabetizing my record collection or something and listening to thousands of records and not speaking to anyone and going weird. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll probably do that. I'll probably listen to these eight songs over and over and go really stir crazy and I'll, I'll be the classic guy with a massive beard and raggedy clothes and uh, yeah, <laughs> well you've me. already got the beard um, <laughs> yeah. so where, where in the alphabet does uh, your final song come from my final song Alex comes from F the letter F because um, 
I just had to represent what we've done with Hello Thor, and um, I had to represent, you know, my best friends in the world and my favourite band, which is Fists, and, um, and yeah, like, a lot of these songs have been so difficult to pick a song by an artist, and so picking my, my favourite Fist song or the quintessential Fist song is just so difficult because I love everything they've done, and they move around so much in terms of who's singing lead vocals, who's written the track, whether it's a rousing garage rocker or, you know, uh, something sweet and tender and country-ish. And so uh, I decided the only way to pick was basically to go back to the beginning and um, that first seven inch that was all Tom's idea and uh, and basically skit the... It was a double A side of Cockatoo and Skit, and Skit just always reminds me of dozens of gigs. I've seen Fist so many times and loved every single performance. And Skit, I can just remember punching the air so much in a crowded pub, or um, and it takes me back to Glastonbury when they they played the BBC introducing stage, and just just so many amazing memories about Hello Thor and about this amazing band. So yeah, my final choice is. Skip by fists. It's a great choice and a great record. Absolutely loved it, and uh, plenty of happy memories for me too. So uh, I'm glad you picked it. This is uh, yeah, fists with skip. heard your eight choices if you had to just pick one of them to uh live your life with which would it be oh god i really i genuinely hadn't thought about this and i've i've listened to uh the uh inferior sister um pr- program mm. did uh <laughs> thousands of times and uh i really <laughs> don't know what it would be i guess um for, for from an emotional standpoint, I don't. I don't oh, oh my goodness! Uh, I guess it'd have to be "Fever" by Peggy Lee um, for Bex. Um, there's always the value for money out of "Jump Into the Fire." Like it's such a long, brilliant, ever-changing tune. But uh, or "Fist," or, but yeah, it's going to have to be Bex and "Fever." So yeah, that live version of "Fever" I'll take take with me. And cherish. <laughs> I, 
and um, we're very generous on Desert Isolation Discs. We give you the complete box set of Red Dwarf and the Tiger who came to tea. Uh, you were also allowed a luxury item. Uh, what would it be? I think I'd like a hovercraft. Am I allowed a hovercraft? I've never been on a hovercraft. And just the, the whole thing that they can go on so many, you know, land, sea... You can have... They're pretty cool. I'd feel like a Bond villain or something, so, yeah, why not? Let's have a hovercraft. <laughs> <laughs> may have a hovercraft, but you will you will be staying on your own, Anders. Don't try and get away from... Uh, okay. Get away from desert. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, hearing your desert isolation discs. Um, any uh, resemblance to any other radio programmes, alive or dead, is... Com- uh, completely coincidental. Uh, Anders, thank you for letting us hear your Desert Isolation disc. Thank you very much indeed, Alex.